Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. My name is Mosey Truitt, and this week, I feel like I say this every single week, uh, I got a very special guest. <laughs> uh, that's because all the guests are very special. Um, but no, I'm actually quite excited for this week because we're actually announcing a, a big announcement. I, I'm doing great with the talking today. It's late. It's late at night, and I, uh, I've been getting ready for this big launch that we're doing today, so uh, bear with me. Um, but yes, this episode, in this episode, Nina Polo and I, you might have heard her in the uh, previous episodes, and you might know from a couple of things we've talked about in a pre- previous episode, that uh, we are opening a wild horse sanctuary together, and that feels freaking amazing to say. We are doing this. Yes. And it is really starting. And today is the first launch day. I can't believe it. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, we are we're really starting this. And uh, as of today, you're going to be able to follow the process and really like see what we're doing and uh, see the horses that we're going to get. I, I'm so stoked. I, I don't really have the words right now, but uh, we talk a lot about it in this episode. So that is what you're about to hear. It's kind of a little bit about our journey, discovering what's going on with the wild horses, what our experience with wild horses has been like, and then talking about what our plans are for the sanctuary and what we're doing. So that's really this episode. So yeah, just just keep listening to hear more and, you know, we explain we explain everything. And if you want to just, you know, jump ahead right now to see what we're doing and then listen to the episode, uh, in the description, you can now see our official website and start following us on uh, Instagram at our sanctuary name, which is Voices of the Herd. Voices of the Herd. We are launching it today. I'm amazed and... Uh, yeah, can't wait to share it with you guys. So let's just get into the episode. Hey, Nina. Here we are, back again. Back, the the double duo of, I don't know where I'm going with this. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's been a long day already. It's, it's only two o'clock. <laughs> it's been a long, long day of talking, <laughs> drinking coffee. And speaking. So much speaking. And now we're going to speak some more. Yeah, let's do that. Um, well, hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for being here. I am back with Nina Polo, as you probably just heard in the intro. And uh, this week, we want to talk to you a little bit about wild horses. Yes. Broad, broad topic. Wild horses. <laughs> we like them. We like them a lot. Uh, to be more specific, we want to talk about our experience with the wild horses and what we're doing with them now and just kind of... You know, I think there's a lot of talk about like, you know, all aspects of the wild horses, like seeing them out in the wild and then like what's happening with the roundups and, uh, you know, what 
is going on with the wild horse situation. And Nina and I just kind of wanted to talk about our personal experience and what it's been like. Because I know that before I kind of dove into this wild horse like lifestyle, I was really confused in some ways or like very um, disconnected from what was happening with the wild horses. And I remember it was something I so wanted to get into. Like it was such a dream of mine to go out and be with wild horses and to know what was going on and to, you know, be an advocate in some ways, but I didn't even know where to begin. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of crazy now to think that like there's so much more information to get and so many more experiences to have, but I feel like you and I have also really dived into, you know, the whole wild horse situation. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think, um, you know, I never really thought that much about wild horses before, um, before I met Luna, I guess. Um, there'd been some other, you know, some other, horse shelters where I was volunteering when I first moved to the U.S. I moved to um, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and there was definitely, um, you know, a couple of, like, Mustangs that they had. Um, And they were really sweet, but, you know, it wasn't... I didn't understand, really, like, how epic they are or what they represent or all of the history... um, and story that comes with them. And I think that uh, when I met Luna, you know, and her being her being a wild Mustang for the first time kind of uh, opened my heart to wanting to explore the topic more. And then, you know, meeting you was just like a godsend gift to... In general, <laughs> but especially, you know, when, when it came to the horses, because I really, um, I think that you had already explored some things that I was really curious about. And, you know, at this point you had already gone, uh, camping with wild horses a few times and, you know, you'd, uh, experienced the, the roundups. And, um, I think you had a lot of information and I really, because I, uh, I trust you so much and I trust your opinion so much. Um, it was like a really nice way for me to, you know, be really introduced to what is this world really, you know, there's there's so many people involved. There's so many different opinions on what to do with the wild horses. And I think that both you and I really want to stay as open as we can Um to all opinions, even though we will, of course, have our own. Um, we're just human and we, you know, have, I think, the horses in mind. And I think that, you know, we're both idealists that have kind of, you know, I think if we're completely honest, there's definitely a part of us that thinks, like, we know what yeah. they need, you know, <laughs> in a way. Like, yeah. if we are, you know, to fully admit that to ourselves. But I think that we know that. And at the same time, it's also true that we want to really be open to, you know, other, other people's ideas and, and maybe, you know, things that are, um, that can be put in place, um, Mm -hmm. on a more immediate level than maybe what we would hope, 
for the wild horses as a as a long-term plan yeah I think that um that is one of the uh main reasons why like partnering with you um felt so right so I kind of want to preface this episode first of all actually because I think so people kind of know where we're coming from you and I are opening a wild horse sanctuary together yay yay <laughs> I like want to cue like that uh yeah that applause applause and like you know when that um that like like audio clip that's like a bunch of kids just yeah. going like kind of yay. monotone yay <laughs> maybe we can find that and, like, and put, put it, it in, in now i bet you i did not put it in <laughs> Maybe I will. Um, You're very minimalist when it comes to your podcast. No, I'm like, I don't want to edit. <laughs> like, I want to make this a weekly thing. I don't want to edit. Yeah, I um, like that. Um, but yeah, so you and I are opening a wild horse sanctuary. And it, it kind of blows my mind even like that that dream is coming s- to such fruition. And it's actually like here. It's happening. It's so crazy. You know, when... Um, when we were just driving over here um, and I was driving behind you and I was listening to um, Advanced Energy Anatomy by uh, Carolyn Mace. And um, the part that I happened to play, she said something to the extent of like, if you're granted a vision, right? If you have this like idea that's, that's big and it's this big idea that really like tugs at your heart and you know that even though there's no way for you to see how it could ever happen Mm -hmm. you know that it's always going to be with you that none of those ideas none of those visions that were granted um are put into place without uprooting kind of like our entire lives and shifting everything around it like she was talking about how you know it's so rare for such an idea to you know just come easily you know without a lot of kind of um intent and maybe you know situations that put us in fear also happening and and I was thinking about you know I was like listening to her and thinking about this sanctuary and how incredible really it is to, you know, have found another person who has like the same ideas about life, you know? And I think like you, the way that we want to contribute to this world are very much aligned with each other. And that is so rare, you know, to find somebody and just be like, you want to do this? I want to do this. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, it's incredible. And I feel so, 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 so grateful yeah. that this is an actuality of life right now. And we're able to do this, something that I think both our hearts have known you know, for a long time before we even knew that it was an actual possibility. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a freaking gift. Like, I think about, like, the 
I really like that with like the idea coming and hitting you and and also like the overwhelmingness of sometimes those big ideas. Like when you think like I really want to open a wild horse sanctuary and that feels so incredible and like so out of reach in some ways. Um, but also just like freaking fantastic. But then like you're given this opportunity to do it. Like let's say you find a way to do it and, um, and it starts seeming like it can be a reality. Like I've certainly felt resistance to it of being like, oh, what does this mean for the rest of my life? Like, what does this mean for every other aspect of my life? And fear can come in and want to keep it small. And even though it's what I want, like it also will tell me all of the reasons why I might not want it, or it might be a, a hindrance to my life, even though, you know, then when I think about it, I'm like, what else do I want to do in my life? Yeah. You know? And finding a partner that, a partnership that feels so, so right, I think has been for me like the greatest gift and the biggest key to feeling like, okay, I can, I can do this because I have support and I have yeah. you. And, and, you know, even on days where it's terrifying to think about, like, uh, I don't know, you're there and that's oh. much better. <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> Oh, man. But I, yeah, I'm like, I'm so stoked. I can't believe we're doing this and we're getting so close. And I guess I'd really like to talk about our journey to getting here. Um, yeah. Like I said, I might cut some of the parts out of the beginning, but um, the the journey of kind of like, you know, getting to know what's going on with the wild horses. Um going out to see them in the wild, understanding them from that place, um, you know, onto like roundups and, and what's happening with the wild horse situation and more of our perspective of like how that, how that has been for us. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, how we're, you know, which horses, what we're doing and what we're, what our goals are. And, um, and I want to kind of give just like a kind of comprehensive view of our perspective of what's going on with the wild horses, because, I know for me, like it felt so out of reach when I first like wanted to get involved in wild horses. It just felt like I didn't even know where to start. And I, and I just wanted to go see them. And even that I was like, I don't know how do I go see wild horses? Like, are there wild horses? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. So yeah. Why don't we start with kind of that? Yeah. How um, did you end up camping with wild horses for the first time? Um, how, how, uh, a, a question? I wasn't prepared for a question. <laughs> I'm interviewing you now, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> um, so a couple of years back, um, yeah, like I, I don't know. I, I wasn't even aware in some ways that there were wild horses like in America. Um, and, and I kind of, like, I knew there were wild horses, but I felt like they were maybe something of the past or, like, you know, kind of Old West feeling. And um, and I didn't know you could go out and, like, find them. And when I figured out that there are wild horses out in the West and you can go find them, um, I think for about a year I tried to plan, like, like, some trip to do that. And because I had basically – I had seen these photos of wild horses – 
in this gallery. And I was like, where did, where did this person find wild horses? And the artist happened to be there, the photographer. And he was like, it's in Arizona. And, and he gave me all this information of like how to find this particular herd. And Oh my God, I was so excited. I was like, I can actually go find real wild horses. Um, but the instructions were like a little bit complicated and I, and it was going to require like off-roading and it was Arizona. So I don't live in that state and I didn't really know who I was going to go with. And like for a year, basically, I just, I had the dream of going out to see them, but I didn't do it because it just felt kind of complicated. And it was basically like, it's kind of like how now, you know, like how the instructions to find wild horses are sometimes like go out to this unnamed road, turn at this tree. And like, sometimes there's horses in that area, Yeah, you know? And, um, and I just, I didn't know how I was going to do that. Or I, I was, I guess, intimidated by that process. Is this when humble Roger entered the scene? <laughs> this is when humble Roger, uh, actually, actually before humble Roger, cause humble Roger has been the absolute, like, He's basically one of the reasons why I've been able to camp with so many wild horses. But um, <laughs> no, basically, the first time I ever saw wild horses was at a roundup. That was Whoa. my first time ever experiencing wow. it. And that was so intense. And I wrote about this a little bit. Um, but the first time like I had ever seen them was in Utah. And I went to this roundup. And the roundup was so emotional you know, um, there's a, a lot of hard things about watching that if you're a horse lover. Yeah. And, and I was prepared for it being difficult. Um, and it was. But at the same time, like, I remember the morning of the roundup, you basically, like, drive down this highway. You're following all the, the people who are going there. And you have to off-road and you have to have four-wheel drive and everything. And we drive onto this dirt road and then we like cut off this dirt road onto like an, a completely off trail path that just like cuts up into the mountains. And I had this moment where I was like, how many mountains have I driven past where I've thought, I'd really like to go see that mountain, but you never drive up to the actual mountain. You're just like driving past these landscapes. And it was the first time where I felt like, oh, I'm actually like, I'm just going to go drive up to that mountain right now. Mm. And it was like entering this wild that I didn't realize I hadn't had that experience before. And it was blissful. It was like the morning going to the roundup, it was like dawn. It, the sun was just coming up. The moon was still out. The stars were still out and no one was awake. And we were driving through this like truly wild landscape out where the wild horses roam. And I was listening to Radiohead <laughs> and the whole thing was just like this blissful experience of like entering this wild that I had forgotten or that I didn't know I had access to. So while I'm like seeing this, you know, I'm going towards this event that I know is going to be really hard for me at the same time, like this whole new world is like opening up for me and I'm realizing that there's this wild that I can connect to any time. And it's like, all you have to do is drive to the mountain. Like all these mountains you're like driving past and all you have to do is like cut up and actually go to one and that you're able to, like it blew my mind. Like 
I can just go to the mountain. It's amazing how literal and also how metaphorical that (laughs) is. That's how it felt. Yeah. It was this big, big awakening in some ways. And, And that first day of the roundup, like, you know, that was difficult and and that's a whole other thing um but that day after the roundup that was my first time actually going out and seeing wild horses like when it was all done we drove into more utah landscape and we went looking for wild horses that hadn't been rounded up and we found like this one lone horse um and it was the first wild horse i'd ever seen like in that setting and i just like kind of walked up close to this wild horse and he was just out free and he was just completely like self-sufficient and like didn't need me but also like was choosing to stick around with me there and that was the most such an incredible experience it was like this this day of like this really low low and this incredible high yeah um and yeah that was kind of my first experience that then made me want to want to like experience them more in the wild because it was just like this little taste of this freedom too that that I could just go where I needed to go and it was like kind of this breaking of boundaries like breaking of the road like I don't have to stay on the road and that's what I wanted to discover more with the wild horses and and then humble roger amazing humble roger like I started talking to him about my experience with the wild horses and He's, like, a very, like, adventure, like, camping, like, wild man. (laughs) He's a very experienced camper. A very experienced camper. And he was, like, so down to go, and he wanted to see the wild horses. And at this point, I had, like, gotten a lot of information about how to find them. And it felt so much more accessible, like, now that I had actually gone out. Like, Like, I understood why it was so difficult for me to comprehend the instructions before because it was, like head into the wild. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then, then I had had this like experience. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, like literally, like just walk, walk into the wild and go find them. That's amazing. Wow. I think it's so interesting because my first experience with wild horses was so um, juxtaposed in a way to yours, you know, like being at a roundup um, for your mm-hmm. first experience. And then in a way, like I got the fairy tale end, you know, in my first experience with wild horses, it was really just us going up and, um, you know, camping and then waking up early in the morning and being with the horses while they just like are, you know, and just observing them be herds together, be families, be friends, Um, watching them, you know, by the water, watching them observe us, um, their curiosity. It really was a, a very you know, for the, for the most part, um, sweet experience. It was really sweet. And 
in a way kind of innocent, you know, even though we know what's happening, it's easy to forget that that is happening, that they are being round up when you're just observing them, you know, it's hard to be or remain aware of the fact that that there's anything outside of that particular moment when you're just sitting on the grass and the sun's shining in your face and you're just observing, you know, watching these horses like play in the water. Yeah. It's quite magical. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm a very emotional person. So I think I, I definitely, you know, on that trip, we thought a lot about, you know, so many things and, and really like what we can learn from the horses in the wild and, and what they tell us about themselves and, and what they tell us about ourselves and our relationship to horses. And I think it really um, just deepened our passion for them and our love for them and our reverence for them and how we really want to do something in the future that that honors them as much as we can um, because there's like an innate wisdom to the wild that I think both you and I want to worship. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you put that, yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I love that, and, and you're just reminding me of of this, and I, I guess I haven't thought about it that much recently, but I think my beginning with Wild Horses, because it was so intense, starting with the Roundup, was, like, really charged, like, like I'd go out camping with wild horses and it was beautiful and amazing, but I couldn't get the roundup out of my head in some ways. And it was very intense. And, um, in a way that like for the first like year of kind of like, or the, the trips I took, um, with Roger, like that first trip and like, and pretty much that whole year, um, first getting into it, like, I could see the beauty of the wild horses and there was this bliss, but it was also like so wrapped up in the intensity of what's, what's happening and like all these, you know, different people's opinions and emotions and kind of the controversy of it all. And, um, and so I'd go out and I'd see them and that I'd be carrying that with me. Um, and then I think the trip that you and I took, uh, which was your first time seeing them, I think I, through talking to you and just from having some time, like kind of had softened around the whole thing. And it felt like the first time where we went out with the wild horses and I was no longer carrying the anxiety almost of like everything that's going on. And I got to see them for who they are in that moment. And it was so much more peaceful. And to be able to just like, you know, not forget what's happening, but also really connect to their peace in that moment 
and into like this feeling that I guess it was like a little bit less of a chaotic feeling, a little bit mm. less of like catastrophe feeling and mm. more into like what, what are wild horses really like? If you strip that away, like, you know, these horses we're looking at, they don't, they don't know the dangers of a roundup. Like they're not thinking about, you know, they're not thinking about all the terrible things that can happen. Like they're really just living peaceful lives as horses right now. And I think that coming back to that and finding that peace with them again has actually helped me personally feel like, okay, now I can go do something and I can do good and help them from a place of like centered love instead of kind of like panicked, like fear, got to do something, got to like, you know, while not giving up, you know, the, the opinion, like your anger, which can be a good motivator or like, you know, your feelings about it. Um, man, I really love that. Sorry, sorry to, yeah, if no, I'm interrupting no, you, but I, I really love that because I, I think that, you know, this is something that you and I talk about a lot is like the place from which we're acting matters yeah. so much because that's where our intention is formed. And I think that when when our intention is based in fear, um, it has that, it carries that like chaotic energy. And I think that um, oftentimes the outcome is not as potent as it can be when we give ourselves like the time to settle in a way and um, and create our intention from a place of like, what is it that we truly love? Like, what is it that we cherish so much? Like in this case, you know, we, we love the horses. We like cherish their freedom. Um, and that doesn't mean that we don't want to change the way things are for them right now, but how do we go about it? Like it's as important, you know, how we go about it is as important as the mission itself, I think. Yeah. And so coming from that place of knowing, okay, these are the things that we love and cherish and this is, you know, our mission and um, what we believe in, um, we can really find, I think, uh, ways to, to channel that that are much more really congruent with what we actually believe in. Yes. Freaking love that. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, and that's why it's been so good to... Um, I think the timing of all this has been really beautiful because... Uh, you know, I, I'm someone who like is inherently like of all the emotions hasn't been that comfortable with anger. So I've actually been working on like, you know, feeling okay with my anger yes. and like getting in touch with it. Um, but at the same time, like, I think that, you know, in the beginning, and I felt this about a lot of different causes, like the anger around it or the sadness around it, like it's so freaking important. Like, the anger makes you want to make a change. But for me personally, to if I was to ground it in anger 
And if I was to try to, if it wasn't just my igniter, you know, igniter to like want to do something and then I settle into peace and then move from there. Like if instead I rode anger the whole time, which I think sometimes it's hard not to do that. Like yeah. I see a lot of people and I totally relate to like, you know, your, your drive being that kind of angry fire. Um, I think it drains you and it, and it, and and you aren't as effective usually, yeah. at least for me. Like I can, I definitely feel that, that it's actually been like softening and finding compassion also for everyone involved has helped me take the most action. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, I think of it, I have such a strong image, like when you talk of anger and I think, you know, maybe because I was. I was like a very typical angry teenager, you know, mm-hmm. I was very like, I was basically just like in my room being angry, listening to like Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> chain smoking cigarettes, getting pierced, you know, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, stick it to the man. I don't know what that means, but I'm definitely going to stick it to the man. And, uh, and I, and I think of that part and I have such a, such a high drive rebel inside of me you know that like I feel a lot of anger all the time um and I think that it is a really good thing to get comfortable with because it's 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 one of those emotions I think that when we when we don't acknowledge them like they can get really toxic yes um and you know that that angry teenage energy that rebel energy like there is a place for it and I think that it's it's part of our growing up in a way you know maturing Mm -hmm. like whatever we want to call it but I think that it's it's good to have that um and at the same time know that it's maybe not the most sustainable place to act from yeah um you know I think of it as like what kind of a revolution do we want to be part of, you know? Do we want to be throwing Molotov cocktails or do we want to be, you know, do we do we want to, like if we're advocating for kindness and compassion and inclusivity, then I think that's the kind of revolution that we want to be part of that is like not only based on those beliefs but like actually walks the talk Amen. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Amen. I'm like I can do a whole. We should do a whole podcast on anger because I got I got some. Oh my god. I got some yes. thoughts on can that. Can we just talk? Can we just have like a one episode where we just rant? <laughs> Let the fire burn. <laughs> Angry rants. <laughs> I do. I love the image though of um, anger and fire. Though actually, it's so. Anyone who's seen the last or the last Airbender um, Avatar, you know, yes. I I love um, the two perspectives. I feel this. Uh, okay, I'm going to go on a tangent about anger for a second. The two perspectives, like I was talking about this with my sister because we both feel very like from opposite ends. Like my sister really relates to Zuko, who if you haven't seen the show, like so firebending is like. It's like people who can control fire, basically. And um, fire can also be like this kind of good metaphor, I think, for like anger. Like the the Prince Zuko, who is a firebender, um, 
has like major anger issues and is like very like has a lot of reason to be angry and kind of sees his firepower as like this fueled by like this anger and then there's ang who's an airbender and is kind of the opposite of a firebender and i relate when it comes to anger on his side of seeing it as just destructive and seeing it as a force that um it's like, don't mess with it because it's just destructive and you're going to hurt people. And in that, like also rejecting it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in the end of the such episode, goosebumps right now <laughs> thinking of Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, I really hope people have seen it because this will make so much more sense. If not, please do yourself a favor and go watch it. Please go watch it. And I'll try not to spoil anything. But like at the end, kind of realizing from these two opposite perspectives that fire or anger is can also be like life like it's giving life and i think about the fires that happened in california just recently um that it it's like change and it's also rebirth and it's not inherently evil in any way and um coming to see fire is like that kind of like quick starter for like birth and new ideas and um creativity you know I think that I uh, I personally feel more connected now to anger, like not rejecting it where it's like just ruling me for the subconscious then, but instead getting in touch with it, letting it burn. And like, I almost see the visual of like letting it burn, let it ignite me, let it fuel me. And then it burns out into like this like sustainable place of action. Oh man, I love that so much. And I, you know how um, we were talking earlier today about um, seeing courage and seeing um, confidence as these entities that we can interact with. Um, And I think that, you know, we apply that to fear. And it's also something that I really, like as you were talking, like I really kind of saw you know for me it's like the embodiment of anger is like that you know that 16 year old version of myself and I just saw her like kind of sitting there you know and and just having that image gave me so much more like love and compassion for anger because I thought you know it's like oh yeah like there's there's a, a legitimate reason for you to be there you know I think anybody who's paying attention to the world has a reason to be angry. There's plenty of reasons to be angry. There's a lot of things that are happening that are, that are not okay, you know? And, and at the same time, even if just for selfish reasons, we can't really let ourselves be driven from that place because it kind of ends us in misery. Yeah. You know, because it can be all consuming, just like fire can be like untamably all consuming. Yeah. Um, I really think anger has the same potential, you know? Yeah. I see like, like a raging forest fire that can be very destructive. And even in its destruction, actually like life giving too in its own yeah. way. Um, and then I say campfire, which is like giving life and action and fueling and like warmth and like the different ways that we can fuel ourselves like motivation wise. 
And that's why, like, I think that our perspective on how, you know, how we're kind of approaching the wild horses now, I feel really good about it because I think you and I have both decided to focus more on what we want to see and the things we want to do and the good rather than blaming, you know, a system that is honestly too complex to point and say like, there's the bad guy, you know, and this is, this is how, you know, good versus evil or something like that. Um, Without getting too much into the politics of like the wild horse situation, I think what the situation needs is in general, more understanding and more willingness to talk and listen and like figure out what is going to be the best solution for these horses because you know, what we're doing right now, I would argue, in my opinion, is not sustainable just by the fact that we have 50,000 horses, like wild horses just sitting and holding pens, Yeah, you know, and that just being like, you know, I feel like that there has to be, I think on all sides, there's like an agreement that like the system isn't particularly sustainable, whether you think like all the horses need to be rounded up or whether you think they all need to be set free, you know? more dialogue and like I don't know willingness to to be understanding I think that that's what I would like to see in this situation so if we're gonna walk the talk like that's what that's what we gotta do like that combined with like action on it yeah I love that and um maybe I'll say a little bit about what it is that we kind of envision yes why don't you do that so the listeners (laughs) like what is this wild horse sanctuary sitch (laughs) um i think that you know when 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 we realized kind of like what we what we had the 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 opportunity to do you know to to bring some horses home to Southern California and um, and setting them free on a piece of land that's wild and large enough for them to actually experience some freedom. Um, we also immediately, I think, thought of, you know, these, these horses, they're not going to be trained. They're not going to be, you know the interactions that we'll have with them will be mostly on their terms, you know, once that they are on the property. And I think um, that's something that to both you and I is so important that, you know, we actually give them um, choice, the power of choice. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, we thought about, wow, like we got this opportunity, you know, because of our circumstances in life that we ended up you know, blessed enough to be able to go and camp with wild horses. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. And not that many people have that opportunity. Not that many people get to experience horses in the wild. And so, you know, we thought it's such a powerful experience to be with them in the wild. Um, 
that it really creates this space for connection, like to actually feel connected to the horses, like to actually be, you know, I've talked in so many instances to, to people who weren't, who weren't horse people and they would go and immediately just recognize like their majesty. Hmm. And I think our, our hope is that we can, we can create a space in which um, people will have the opportunity to be with these wild horses under circumstances that are as close as we can get to camping with them in the wild so that without having to actually do anything or work in any way, these horses can still be advocates for you know, their brothers and sisters um, mm -hmm. in the wild so that people can understand. And I think that this will be such a beautiful platform for us to, you know, um, do our advocacy in a way that feels really truthful to us, you know, where it's not, we're not throwing Molotov cocktails, yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's truly not what we believe in. Like, we don't think that there's this entity that's bad and they're doing bad things, period. We think that it is very complicated and, um, you know, the systems that are in place are systems that have been there um, and that within themselves are set up to protect the status quo. Mm -hmm. So we know that breaking these systems is, is not, you know, it's not something that um, is easy, nor do we claim, I think, to have the ultimate answers mm -hmm. to everything. Um, and I think if we're educating people from that, from that perspective of like, Hey, we don't, you know, we're not claiming to know exactly what it is, but here's what we know. These horses are amazing and they deserve to be treated with so much respect and care. And then people can kind of come to their own conclusions as to what that means, you know, and they can then look into their own sources of what they want to do with that information. And I think that at this point, kind of, you know, that's, that's where we're at and that's what we want to do um, mm -hmm. to just give some horses the opportunity to be free again and give some people the opportunity to experience what that's like um, and hope that that will lead, you know, people to be more connected to the horses. Yeah. Yeah. That, yes. <laughs> that's what we're that's, doing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Another thing with that, I, I'm getting so re-inspired uh, hearing you talk about our vision. Um, <laughs> another thing that I think, you know, changed for me personally, like, getting out of a place of just chaotic, like, you know, like, like, what are we going to do about this wild horse situation? And when I kind of like got to see the horse a little more for who she was and see the wild horse, I was amazed by their desire to connect, even mm -hmm. in the wild. Like there were times where we'd be so far out. Like I, I went camping this one time so far out into this wild land, like five hours of like humble Roger doing like 
insane like uh like off-roading driving like like most people could not have done this driving he's just very skilled and like roger packing our own gas in and getting to this herd that like is just really far out there like basically they don't encounter humans because almost no one goes out there and they haven't been rounded up in a really long time so they don't know that they don't know they just don't know humans very much And I was so curious because, you know, some of the wild horses are used to people, like some of them live outside of cities and you'll actually see them walking through town and stuff. But this felt like a really like unique time to ask the question, like when the horse has no idea about humans and like there's no like opinion really one way or the other and there's no reason for them to need to stay around and they can run off like for miles and miles and miles, like, you know, like they don't have to be around you. Like what is the horse human relationship then? And I've been so amazed to see that like these horses that are just so free and so wild and have no reason to need to come up to humans. If you stay out there long enough, which isn't even very long, like there's this one day, like it was just one day of sitting with these horses, they have such a drive to connect and, and it, and they're not domestic. Like, and this isn't to say like that horses are, um, in any way, like that they want to be domesticated because that is not the feeling you get from the wild horses. They don't want you to do anything to them. But if you come out and you say, I am just here to be with you and I am just here because I want to know you, they want to know you too and they will actually come up to you you know with enough time and and I think that is just the most magical fucking thing like fuck yes (laughs) I I don't I hadn't been so inspired with horses in such a long time than seeing and asking the question of what is our relationship when all using each other when the the idea of using each other and primarily like humans using horses when that is off the table and all you have is like like real relationship does the horse want to connect and I really believe the quest the answer is yes and I think that that's incredible and that's so inspiring to me and I want so badly so so badly to explore what that means And one of the opportunities I am so excited about with this wild horse sanctuary is, you know, we're going to try to give them as free a life as possible so that there's no real reason there they need to interact with humans on this land. Um, But what is our relationship if we just go out with no need to do anything to them, no need to control or ask anything of them? what does our relationship turn into and and what does that look like and how fulfilling is that for both horse and human and i think we're going to find amazing things cuz already in the wild with just limited time like i've found amazing things and that experience is something i would love to share with people that come and visit and do like the retreats at the sanctuary where there's no pressure on the horse, like they can leave at any time. But if people could see what it's like to experience a relationship that's that pure with a being that that is that wild, 
I think for me, like even just the small glimpses I've had of it, it's connected me to my own wild and my own understanding of what it means to love without condition in such a powerful way. And that, that would be my goal. Like, I think if I could, you know, if I could give something to people and horses through this retreat and sanctuary space, like, I don't know how that's going to look, but that would be amazing. <laughs> Come to this wild horse sanctuary where you learn to love. <laughs> um, I'd be down. I'd be so down. <laughs> We'll meditate, we'll dance, we'll be with the horses, (laughs) we'll be really playful, we'll be silly. Silly for the win, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm so down for that. So I think, man, I'm so, I'm so excited, like I'm so excited, I... I think we're still a little bit in the phase of like, wow, this is really, ha- is this really happening? Is this yeah. really happening? You know? Um, but yes, it is. And that's so beautiful. And I think, you know, once we realized, okay, wow, this is what we're going to do. And we really, you know what I really love? Like, I think of, I think of um, starting this together as like, you know, this is, this is probably the biggest commitment that both you and I have ever made in life. So it's like our version of marriage in a way. And, um, partnership. Yeah. Business partners, marriage is pretty much business, business, (laughs) marriage, (laughs) um, with children. Yeah. With children, (laughs) with one big, big child. (laughs) Um, and, and I, I think of how, how we've entered this Mm -hmm. and how mindful we have been, you know, and it, because we've, we've been talking, you know, ever since we met about what it was that we were going to create together. And I think from the beginning, we knew we wanted to create something together. And it was just, you know, kind of like it was shaping itself. Yeah. um, As we moved through life and as we got to know each other better and better and understood like really where our mutual passion lies and where our individual strengths are um and i think we're entering this from from such a careful sweet place you know that i feel man i just feel so good about it you know and and this last trip, so this last trip that we did um, up to Northern California, we went to um, really found out, find out more information about the specific herd that was being rounded up. And um, we wanted to see if we could, you know, potentially, one, find out more and, and maybe find our horses. And this trip was so interesting. And it's been now about a month. Mm-hmm. since we've been back and I think that just now I'm feeling somewhat settled with the experience yeah it was I mean you know starting with the fact that we drove up for like 11 hours yeah like the drive was 11 hours 
We were there for like one day and then we drove back for 11 hours. Yeah. <laughs> so for three days, we woke up at like 4.30 each day. We did a shit ton of things and <laughs> we really, we we processed a lot, I think, together. And at the same yeah. time, it was by the end of the trip, our brains were so oversaturated that I think we both came home and just had like three or four days of being maybe like through like one third human yeah <laughs> we were what two did thirds you, void yeah pretty much like what did you call it he said i just feel like i'm a blob floating in space yeah <laughs> and i certainly felt that way i was just being pulled right and left and i you know i was I was emotional and I was also detached. Like it was everything at the same time. And and it it was due to the intensity of that trip because on the one hand, you know, there's this incredible, incredible gratitude and joy for the fact that we were able to do this, you know, and that we could yeah. go up and possibly be picking out horses to bring home. Like that's so huge and that's so yeah. beautiful. And I think we both really wanted to um acknowledge that there is so much beauty in this trip and at the same time you know we were also confronted with the reality of like why we're even able to get these horses and you know we went and visited one of the holding facilities and as we were there um they were just um like unloading some of the new horses and it was the first time that I had seen kind of this whole um Judas horse situation yeah um which do you want to explain sure. the judas horse yeah so people who don't know um judas horse so so what an interesting name um so appropriate i love words like when they're accurate but um yeah. basically in a roundup um they'll be pushing a herd of horses with a helicopter and when they get close to the trap site they have a domestic horse by the edge of the the trap and when the horses get closer they let this judas horse go and um this domestic horse knows to run into the trap so all these wild horses are like panicked and kind of looking for you know looking for direction and safety of where to go and they see this horse run into the trap and so they all follow the judas horse and they and then the gate shut behind them so you know, they call it Judas horse because it's like the betrayal, you know, and this poor, poor Judas horse being called Judas. Like, I don't know. It's just, I know. It's so, um, it's just kind of intense. And, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of the, the nature of that role. Yeah. And I guess, um, in this, when they were, when they were loading the, or unloading the horses into um, this holding facility. They had they brought in first one horse into like a, a pasture, um, and that horse just kept running around and calling out. And you know, and at first I was like really distressed because I was like, why did they put this poor lonely horse in there? He's like freaking out. Um, and then we realized that he was most likely a Judas horse um, calling out, so that when they you know, offloaded the horses from the trailer and into the, um, what do you call it? The, the chute. Into the chute. 
they would go towards that horse calling. Um, and that alone I found very disturbing. I found it so disturbing. I found, um, you know, because I thought about that horse. It's not like that horse was trained to pretend to be in distress. <laughs> that yeah. horse was in fucking distress. Yeah. And that already pained me so much. And then watching the other horses, you know, follow. It's just so. It's really what it is, is is unbelievable in the purest sense of the word to me. That this is what we are doing as humans and it's it's really painful for me to see that this is happening you know and in my in my view of the world there's something really ill about that there's something really it shows me like a disease i think of our society of our our disconnect um and that was really hard you know it was really hard to be there in that moment and to not look at the horses and feel pain mm -hmm. um, and at the same time I want to look at the horses and honor them mm -hmm. because they're almost too majestic to feel pity you know pity doesn't seem right yeah i know what you mean <laughs> and they're so the strength of the wild horses too and all horses really like with what horses in general not just wild but like domestic horses too like what they go through and the breaking and the you know all, all the stuff we do um their resilience is just remarkable in some ways. Yeah. And and I feel you on the, like, it, it, pity doesn't feel right. It's almost like an honor to be, like, to witness your, like, and not an honor. Like, it's, it's more, I feel more like I bow to you and you're, yeah. and you're. It's like an to honor this. to be in their presence. Yeah. That, that I feel very strongly that way. Yeah. Like, even under these crazy circumstances that, you know, if we, if we think about it, it's like they're out there doing their thing, living their lives, and then they um, get imprisoned mm -hmm. um, for no reason whatsoever that they could comprehend, yeah. right? Um, 
and you know i think the the reasons are um debatable mm-hmm. um and it's also like we said earlier very debatable like what we do with that and and yeah. how we're really you know quote unquote managing these wild horse herds um But there is something about even in that moment of watching them become imprisoned that somehow they don't lose their what is it that they have you know it's their it's 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 like to me it feels like majesty like it's yeah. it's they're so regal um, and honorable. I think that that is yeah, kind honorable. of a good way um, to say it. And 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 I, because I think as humans, it's really hard for us to comprehend two ideas that are possibly juxtaposed to each other. At the same time, I really was struggling with feeling so much pain over the situation and feeling so much reverence over their presence. That is the, you just explained exactly what I meant when I went to my first roundup about it being on one hand, like the complete contradiction of it being a little bit blissful or maybe even a lot blissful to, to see them, even in that situation, to see them and to be in nature in that way. And then to also like, feel heartbroken for a situation that is so hard to witness. Yeah. What a trip we had. (laughs) Seriously. Who was it that said like, maybe it was Carolyn Miss or something that the um, contradiction is the language of the gods or something. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's like paradox Paradox. is the language of the gods or something. Like with archetypes and whatnot. I, yeah, that that trip. And this is where I really like doing these trips, though, with you. Because I think it's easy to see something heartbreaking to us um, and think and not or and not want to go into a place of who's the bad guy and how do we get them and like fuck you and let you know all of that versus I think you and I have tried to make a more conscious effort to realize like it's just really not that black and white and in the sense that you and I met really lovely people on this trip who are trying their best with the horses who you know, I, I don't feel any ill will towards them at all. No. And, and they're helpful and they're helping us like, you know, make, hopefully rescue these horses and, you know, some of them. And, um, and I think that is an important piece because the compassion to know that like, you know, just because there's something that 
you know, maybe feels so, I don't have the words for like, you know, just, it, it can be so difficult to also hold space for like, we can't just blame one thing or, or we can't, or, or there has to be something. I don't know. I, I think that, you know, a lot of times as humans, like we, we do want to find the bad guy and we want to like blame in some way. And it's easier to do that. And sometimes I struggle. I don't even know how to like balance the not having, you know, like it's so new. Like how do you not almost like pick a side or something like that? Yeah. And how do you stay true to your beliefs and what you feel? And even like this, like talk about how we feel the pain of it and not pretend like that's not happening while holding compassion and being understanding. And I think doing that and trying to find that balance with you has been the most liberating thing because it is what is allowing us to take action to do something. Um, but also, like, where is that line? I don't really, I don't know. I don't know. I think that that's, that's, that's potentially going to be a lifelong exploration, right, of, like, I think what we can do right now is know, okay, this is this is what we believe in. Um, these are the means that we have, and this is what we can do with that, and this is yeah. how we can move forward and actually, you know, potentially contribute. Um, and and I think that. I, I really, really believe strongly that um, blame and shame are not the solution. No shame. I'm like... No shame. <laughs> I feel like shame... I feel like... I don't know why I didn't say that word before. Because blame is like, yeah, no blame. But when I hear shame, to shame people into making a change or into trying to be quote-unquote better, that really hits me like hard of like shame never works yeah shame is not not the road I want to take for making I was just, change yeah I was just writing about this because I was really thinking so much about compassion and I was you know I was writing that it's interesting because so many people you know whenever I talk to them to about shame you know they go yeah you know it kind of sucks but like it works and yeah. then <laughs> you know and I always cringe a little bit because I I understand what they mean because in the in the short term, um, you might actually eradicate the behavior in the person that you don't like. At least in front of you. In front of you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And even if they are so ashamed that they then stop the behavior altogether, um, I think that without exception, it creates an internal monster mm -hmm. that starts eating away at our sanity. Yeah. Um, and I really, really think that there is no, no place for shame in a sustainable way of healing, you know, and of coming together, which, I don't know, that's my hope. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh my God. If I want to do a whole nother podcast on shame. I'm getting like fired up about it. <laughs> like, Let's do it. Can we can invite we Brene Brown? Can, yeah. Can Brene Brown, can you come on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, because I, I, 
what is that Brene Brown quote that's like, um, shame keeps us from the very things inside ourselves that could lead to positive change. It's so much better than that. But basically, like, just that shame has been proven. Like, it doesn't lead to actual positive change because you're your internal predator is getting so loud that I think all of our like all of our most hurtful actions as humans usually come from a place of shame already. So adding to the shame doesn't help someone be kinder to themselves, which ultimately doesn't help them be kinder to anyone else. So I know for sure I, I want to stay far away from shame and, and you know that I think we're very agreed on that. Um, And it just like leads to the question of then, you know, how does one spark change? And, and it's interesting because I even feel like recording this podcast already, if I'm going to get vulnerable here, like, like a trying to find the lines of like, what do we talk about? What do we not talk about? Like feeling wise of like wanting to keep doors open so that we can help and still speaking our truth for what we believe. Yeah. And that line, because um, it's really important to me, I don't want to go quiet on what I believe. And I don't want to be quiet like, and not give, not be a voice for the horse in the way that I think you know, I need to be a voice for the horse. You will not be shushed. <laughs> I will not be shushed. <laughs> but at the same time, like, not like leaving the door open for compromise too. And for, um, and maybe not comp, maybe compromise is not the right word, but like for collaboration in some way, you know, with people who are maybe doing things that we don't agree with, because ultimately like that can limit you with what, how you can help the horses. Yeah. Like, and it's so, it's so interesting because in a way it's like, we, we get into like a political realm when it comes to that, right? Like yeah. I used to have so many conversations with my ex-husband when I when when that rebel side of me was still like a lot more in charge. <laughs> <laughs> and she would compromise was like not a word that I was okay with back then. Right. You know? <laughs> and it was very much um because, and I think that you can probably relate to this, it's like, like if you're an idealist, like by definition, you aspire for like a utopian dream, you know, like we right. want the best case scenario, right? Yeah. And compromise feels like a band-aid oftentimes for, you know, a wound that's making you bleed to death. You know, like that's oftentimes what it felt like to me. And I think that I've really changed my opinion on that. Um, And I hope that I never lose like the high aspirations and the Mm -hmm. high hopes um, and my core beliefs. But I do think that Some change is better than no change. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of times our our alternatives are 
no change or small change. And big change often, I feel, happens over time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know. I feel pretty radical. Like, I want to have big change now. Like, that's how I live my life, you know. It's like I realize something. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to fucking go 150% yeah. for it and I'm going to change it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm very impatient with it. And so that's how, how I want you know, that's how I want society to be. But but we also, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, I think it's a thing that I'm, that I'm processing, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it like being an idealist, being at the same time, you know, realistic? Yeah. Without settling. Yeah. Totally. I don't, I don't know. I mean... I mean, I think it is true, and I feel a little bit like a Pinterest board saying this, but um, I do think that little acts of change make big change in the world. <laughs> uh, but but I, I, you know, I'll I start do... quoting you <laughs> on my Pinterest board. Uh, put like an image of a flower behind that or a sunset. Um, Definitely a sunset. I I do though think like you know. I don't feel hopeless in the sense that I think major change has happened in the world. Like big things have shifted. Um, And they're not overnight, but they're because people are like willing to question and people are willing to push for the ideal that ultimately gets, you know, change a move in. And I want to be that person. Um, one time I got kicked out of class in college for making exactly that argument. Really? They were yeah. like they were like, You sound like Pinterest, get out. <laughs> and they were like, Where'd you read that quote, Nina? Get out. <laughs> You're questioning the whole system. This is this is a a bad uh Yeah, the, the, the professor thought that I was just challenging him. But I was challenging the whole system. Yeah. <laughs> You're challenging the man. <laughs> I was still trying to stick it to the man. They knew you were a danger to the system. That's why you had to get out of class. He was like, "This is a, this could this could topple the whole thing." <laughs> All of a sudden, there's riots outside. <laughs> I mean, it is a good sign, though. Like, if you're getting kicked out, you must be saying something pretty. Like, well, you know what was interesting? <laughs> it was actually a state a case study, and it was about um, somebody going to jail for possession of marijuana, okay? Mm. And I don't even smoke pot. I've never liked the way it makes me feel. And at the same time, I absolutely believe in um, a decriminalization of the possession of drugs for personal use. Yeah. Um, And so that's kind of the case that I was arguing. And I was saying, well, he shouldn't go, you know to jail at all (laughs) because you know this is what we believe in and it was like a group you know and and we all kind of like argued because some of the people were like well this is the this is the law and I was like yeah but if there's there's been many many laws that have been detrimental to humanity and if we never question them you know we'd be in a very different world we'd be in a very different world if laws were not changed exactly so get with the times like 
Um, stop <laughs> putting people in jail for them trying to soothe their trauma. Yeah. <laughs> this got really political. Got really good. <laughs> I know. I was like, how do we avoid the political? Um, should we talk about God and sex? Also, because <laughs> I think those are the things feel like you're not supposed to talk about. You and I have talked about both of those in depth today. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, One time Moses and I talked about all three of those things before even eight in the morning. And we're like, man, we're doing something right. And that is not me, Moses. I'm oh, Mosey. Yeah. That is a, a different <laughs> That's male Mosey because somehow I got lucky enough to have two Moseys in my life. And I must be, like my friend Hillary says, the most blessed human on earth. <laughs> I need a male Nina. <laughs> yeah. I mean Nino. Nino. That's actually a name. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Nino. Nino. I like it. Um <laughs> got off topic. Okay, off topic a little bit. Sorry. Uh, no, this is great. Um I I'm, I love it. Uh now okay. I'm feeling I feel like I need to mention that I'm feeling very vulnerable about that because I, I feel like Saying things in this kind of context, you know, where it's like a recorded conversation mm-hmm. and something that could be like really triggering to somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that especially when it comes to drug addiction, like uh, most of us have experienced, whether it's ourselves or somebody we love, um, to have struggled with addiction. And I know that that can be, you know the struggle that we have with it can can leave us with like really set ideas of what's um um what would help addicts the the best way um and it's really hard to you know say something like that almost as like a side note in a conversation that's not about that without leaving some people um you know possibly feeling like what the fuck yeah. Um, and I just want to say that I and acknowledge that because it's such it's such a deep, deep conversation and it's such a um, heart conversation and a hard conversation. And so, you know, I I really, really, really believe in the compassionate treatment of addicts. Um, and I have, I have, you know, fairly specific ideas as to what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, like, I really just want to acknowledge and honor that, um, that might be really different for other people. And, you know, by no means do I want to, you know, alienate anybody or make them feel like they're disregarded because they're not you're not this is why i love you <laughs> <laughs> like oh I, I just that is the perfect example to me about like about also the openness in you that that inspires me so much and why i want to be your partner in this um because i know that like you can have your own strong feelings about you know, and your own opinions. And yet I never feel from you that, that those feelings somehow would block you from understanding someone else's perspective or trying very hard to. And 
you, I think, are the perfect example of someone who rides that line so well of being open and genuinely so understanding and genuinely so compassionate of everyone's perspective, not taking away from the strength of your own. And you're able to hold both. I'm so uncomfortable right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I love you. I'm sorry. Thank you for saying (laughs) Uncomfortable because... Because I, I, it's such, it's like, it's such an honor for me to like hear somebody like you who I admire and adore so much, you know, think that way of me. And it just, it makes me uncomfortable to be complimented like that you know I don't really I don't think we're ever taught what to do with like really deep meaningful compliments like that yeah. just like I don't, I don't know I'm probably blushing a little bit I'm like holding my hands in an awkward way because I don't know what to do <laughs> I, I so get that I as long as you're not uncomfortable in the sense that like ew Mosey what you just said was gross oh my god no <laughs> like to the contrary I just think it's like it's the sweetest thing and I just I just want to scream to the world how much I love you you know for like being so like the fact that you're so expressive with your love and like the It just, it really, it means the world to me, is what I'm trying to say. I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, words of affirmation is my love language. <laughs> yeah. You're so good at it. You are. Oh, now, really. I'm, now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. I'm blushing. I'm like twisting threads between my fingers. Like, it's hey, a vulnerable podcast episode. This is a very vulnerable podcast episode. It is. Um. And it looks like we're at low battery because this thing does... Well, we've been talking for a long time. A long time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So why don't we... uh, I would like to just kind of wrap up all of these different... We've talked about The Last Airbender. We've talked about uh, drugs. Talked about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, horses. Uh, Yes, we've talked about a lot of things. Um, But why don't we wrap up with just kind of explaining because we are actually freaking launching today so there's a lot of things for people to go check out to see what we're doing and it's happening today and people can click the links in the description because our our company our wild horse sanctuary is beginning and we officially have a website and an instagram And I think that's it right now. Um, And a sanctuary place. And we have one horse already. (laughs) That's true. Um, Money. We have one wild horse. And we are about to go on our adventure and go pick up our herd, our first herd. And we're launching this week because we're, we're really like just about to go do that. And we wanted to give people the opportunity to kind of follow the journey of the herd that we're getting and kind of stick with us as we begin. So if you are interested in that, um, follow us on Instagram, check out our website. Like literally in the next like couple weeks, we're going to be going up to this 
herd that we were talking about, the Devil's Garden herd, and we're going to be rescuing hopefully a hopefully a family band, hopefully an entire herd of wild horses, and then setting them out free on the property. And um, I think we that's we'll be, be documenting it. We're going to be documenting it. We're really going to be documenting it. And I think so what's the sanctuary called, Mosey? The sanctuary. Should we say it at the same time, like super fancy? Okay. <laughs> what? Actually, you can just say it. <laughs> it's called Voices of the Herd. Voices of the Herd. That is our sanctuary. So Instagram, it's just at Voices, Voices of, of the, the Herd. Herd. Yes. And website is Voices of the Herd. We have a Facebook, Voices of the Herd. Um, again, all those links will be in the description. We have a Facebook? Well, I, I guess started you have to face- have a Facebook. I had started a Facebook. Oh. So if anyone's been following me for a little while, you might know that Voices of the Herd, like, I kind of, when I first went to a roundup, like started a bit of a blog about it. Um, it's transforming. You know, I didn't really know what to do with that platform at that time. I just knew I wanted to do something for the wild horses. I was a little bit more in the angry phase, um, just in case you go look back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we chose Voices of the Herd because it just kind of felt like, like interestingly enough, I got like the idea for that name you know, at the very beginning, not really knowing what I was going to be, how I was going to be contributing and helping. And this feels like such the way and what you and I were meant to do. And um, so I feel like it's come to, like we've come to understand what Voices of the Herd is and it's a wild horse sanctuary plus in the new year, retreat center. Yay. (laughs) Cue the kids. With the monotone, yay. <laughs> um, it's a retreat center, and we're going to be definitely telling you more information about that. But basically, you know, kind of the things we were talking about that we wanted to, um, that we want people to be able to experience in a place that is a little more easy access than going out into the wild and um, do some like really nice, hopefully healing horse and human work there and, and make a really nice... Uh, Nice place where people can experience true wild and horses and yes, amen and themselves. Amen. Yeah. So yeah, everyone, go check it out. It's launch day. Subscribe. <laughs> Follow. I'm trying to think of what are the other words yeah. if you feel for it. And you're gonna be getting a lot of updates starting today. Yes. Oh, I guess sign up for the newsletter, like, yes, to keep, you know, really in touch. Keep That'd updated. Be awesome. I would. It honestly is probably going to be a good place to get like the big announcements, like when we get the herd, and you know, we might need help naming some of these horses. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yes. So anyway, if you feel drawn to do that, do all of that, and um, otherwise. Nina, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Ozzy, it's so good every single time we talk, recorded or not. So agree. So agree, my dude. (laughs) Bro, bro. (laughs) Um, And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I appreciate you guys being here so much. And I will see you with a brand new episode next week. 